0: Welcome to the Channel Champions Podcast, powered by Evolve IP, hosted by Zach Anderson. Today, we'll explore the always evolving landscape of the IT, telephony, and communications channel. If you are a trusted advisor, strategist, IT consultant, or sales engineer, this one's for you. Today's guest is...
1: Okay. Okay happy thursday this is the channel champions podcast episode six i have uh, some amazing guests with me today gentlemen i don't want to steal your thunder whoever wants to start first please introduce yourselves sure i'll go ahead and start my name is man wong with
2: architect group um been in the industry for approximately about five years and prior to that, I was on the customer side for 25 years, running IT operations for several companies in Bay Area. Uh, my last thing was uh, over at Roblox, and then Zell Pay. So, have a lot of experience from the customer side, and, and you know, been excited to be on the channel side now.
3: I'm Josh Mitchell uh, with Architect Group, and. Uh... I'm six months shy of my 20 year anniversary of being an agent started in uh, January of 2004. So yeah, long time. Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, happy, happy, almost anniversary. One thing that I always like to ask, um, is how you came up with the name of your business.
2: That that's, that's a good, great question. Um, we started Josh and I were partners. Uh, we started, we worked before architect grouped, uh, mm-hmm. at another, uh, agency and, and built a great partnership. So, you know, when we decided to branch off, we, you know, just, that's probably one of the hardest thing to do because, you know, it's first, you gotta find a domain name that's available. Right. <laughs> and, and none of them are me coming from the customer side. We're always thinking about strategy design. And, and so, you know, thought about, you know, part of our our role here is to help customers architect a solution. Um, Got it. And if we spelled it, you know, the traditional way, those domains are all taken up. So <laughs> that's where the sure. K came in with, with architect. And then it just went, you know, grew from there.
1: Nice. Nice. So when you formed the company, um, did you have an idea of, certain types of solutions that you wanted to offer to your clients? Or was there specific verticals that you were both wanting to focus on? Or what was your initial like go-to-market strategy?
2: Uh, you know, for for the go-to-market and the area that I was comfortable working in was really infrastructure-based, okay. whether it's cloud, on-premise data center, just manage services around supporting customers' current infrastructure environment or helping them migrate from on-premise to a hybrid or cloud solution. And then within that, Zach, there's a lot of it's pretty broad. So within that, there's a lot of areas around it that we we like to encompass into this solution. It's you know you we we started talking about dr uh, mm-hmm. backup as a service, and then, Obviously, the the foundation of it all is the connectivity piece, right? The the network, how they all get pieced together globally or or domestically. We start talking about S two N solutions and and building private networks and and connectivity into the cloud. So those are really
1: the the big
2: areas. And then you know we you know bundle into
1: you know voice and contact
2: center solutions as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So you already knew like what you wanted to, or you already had the framework when you guys started architect pun intended uh, of what you wanted to do. I take it. Yes. Excellent. As far as verticals is are there specific verticals that you focus in today that, that are maybe different from when you started or kind of anything and everything?
3: I, I would say we're not vertical focused. I mean, um, I kind of like to use the analogy of we're like the plumbing um, or the electricity of, of a building. So you, you know every company has to uh, have the services that that we represent you know network um, infrastructure you you know you can't have a company without a network it and, and a computer infrastructure so you know it's it's the, the last thing you would you would have to turn down if you were shutting down a business so um, it, it isn't vertical specific I would say um, education and government are are typically specific areas and and some people ca- kind of get really ingrained in supporting that space. So I'd say that's only um, vertical that we don't work in. Um, but other than that, you know, it's, it's really, it's really broad um, being here in the Bay area. We, we, you know, tend to service a lot of technology focused companies because this is where they are. Um, hmm. But, but it does range across all kind of customer verticals.
1: Nice. So man, you've been, on the agent side now for you said five years yeah i
2: wow it's been i think five years now um and then you know we've been we had architect for a little bit over
1: two years okay and then josh you've been on the agent side basically your whole career in the channel is that right yes
3: i was never yeah i didn't make the traditional uh evolution from working on the carrier side and then coming over to being an agent so i'm kind of a rare anomaly in that sense. (laughs) So how did you both uh, actually meet each other? Uh, Through a mutual, um, you know, somebody that I'd I'd, I'd worked with before and then uh, I think man was his customer and then Mm -hmm. when man was deciding that he didn't maybe want to continue down his same career path that he'd been on um, that our our mutual acquaintance uh, thought man, you know, should consider coming on this side. Mm -hmm. Uh, We met through a mutual acquaintance and and really just kind of you know, in the beginning, man was leaning on me a lot for um, just kind of really understanding this world and how to navigate through the supplier landscape, and you know, um, what's the best way to support clients um, and so forth. So, um, in the beginning, it was it was me kind of coaching him a little bit in 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 terms of you know the best way to succeed in, in this space, um, and I was obviously very glad to lean on his uh, technical expertise and and you know his customer centric view of, uh, of us, right. Mm-hmm. He, he's worked with us from the customer side. So, um, I think, uh, our skill sets complement each other pretty well. That's great. So, man, I got to know what made you want
1: to, uh, go over to, I hesitate to call it the dark side, but <laughs> no, that's what I call it. So, uh,
2: it's well, a couple things. One is I've always, had this entrepreneur mindset. I've always wanted to, you know, veer off on my own and, and do something on my own and start, start a business. Um, of course it, it's when you work in the corporate life, you, you kind of get, you know, you get so into it, you know, you're, you're moving up in, in the the corporation and, and then it just gets harder and harder to, to step out of it. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: You know, finally I, I, Came to a point where I knew, you know, I had to either do it now or I would continue to work corporate until I retire. So at that point, I just made a a cognitive decision to just take the leap, um, leave corporate and, you know, had a conversation with my wife and and mentors of mine. And, you know, one of the best advice that was given to me from my previous uh, mentor and boss was, you know, the best, you know, best bet is to bet on yourself. So I did, and I made that leap of faith, and and never looked back. I, l- I love what I'm doing, and uh, I've been fortunate to have great mentors like like Josh, who um, was very helpful at the beginning, the first couple of years, to just have someone to call, you know. And I call Josh all the time, getting advice and, and getting introduced to the business and to the the partners and, and the channel. Uh, Mm -hmm. side of things. So it's been amazing. That's
1: great. So as far as like the last five years that you've been in the channel, man, um, I guess for both of you, you know, a lot of things have happened in the last five years, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) So, but being new to the, to the channel or the agent side, I guess, um, man, what's that been like for you? Like what's, what's the experience been like? How, How much has it, Differed from the uh, the carrier side of things for you. Well,
2: for for me, I didn't know any better. Right, coming from someone that ran IT operations and uh, was always on the cu- customer side, but you know, through the five years, I, I have seen a lot of changes, uh, a lot of cons- consolidations, and mm-hmm. there's a lot more suppliers coming into the the ecosystem where we can Mm -hmm. offer these solutions to our customers so which is great um you know we're constantly seeing the the channel evolve and having different type of solutions where we can we can bring to bear to our customers Mm -hmm. and and that's really great for you know the agency and the business
3: that what we do it it validates uh what we're doing um because you know instead of the this this agent world shrinking, it's, it's doing the opposite. It's growing tremendously. And, and so more and more companies I think are, are understanding the value we bring as well as, um, you know, the value it brings to them to have knowledgeable technical uh, sales folks that are bringing them, you know, opportunities that, that really fit into the sweet spot of, of their offerings. Mm-hmm. So it's, I've always told customers that it's, it's, this model really is a win-win-win. Meaning, I believe the customer definitely benefits from having us involved. Um, I believe the carriers write better deals with us involved. Meaning, hopefully, for if, if everyone's doing their job right, we're bringing them deals that again are just right in their wheelhouse, where you know that their offering is very specific uh, and, and set up to, to successfully deliver the types of opportunities that we're bringing to them, mm-hmm. um, and. From the customer side, it's it's shortening that that buy process and helping them weed through really a lot of, of, of different kind of sales um, noise or or maybe confusion where you know there's truly a lot of choice in the marketplace. So how do I really understand what the right fit is and solution? Um, hopefully, that's you know part of the value that we're bringing to them. So I think they win. Uh, I think they win. From a uh, post sale perspective, where, you know, if and when something is, uh, ne- does need to be addressed, um, you know, I pick on the larger supplier sometimes, but if you're billing $5,000 a month with Verizon or Comcast or T, you know, you're one of potentially millions of customers that have a spend, um, of, of that level. And so you don't necessarily always get, um, the attention to something that might be of massive importance to you and your business, but, um, to some of those bigger suppliers, um, you know, they simply just aren't set up to deliver uh, the level of customer support that, that everyone might need. Um, mm-hmm. So I think uh, customers that wrote that business through us would, would have a better um, chance of getting resolution to something that's important to their business. So um, it doesn't hurt them from a cost perspective. And then, you know, I think we win. Um, obviously our ability to not be restricted with territories or verticals or, you know, which solution we can bring to a customer opportunity, um, you know, that, that benefits us. And so, um, you know, you haven't asked the question yet, but what drew me to the channel uh, was, was that. And, and, you know, when I was early on in, in my tech sales career um, I, I knew a lot of friends that worked at Oracle, we're, we're sitting in Oracle's former headquarter location and, the sales guys would be successful and maybe blow out their number. But typically you couldn't do that every single year. You know, right. usually there would be um, a year where they would say, you know, you made a lot of money the last couple of years. So something must be wrong with uh, the way we've uh, set up our comp program. And so we're going to change that. And <laughs> you're going to have to sell three times as much as you did last year to, to try and you know think about making the same amount of money. And some some sales guys won't put up with that and they'll leave. And, you know, maybe it's the stock options, but a lot of times it's the comp program that they feel penalized their success. And mm-hmm. so um, I I always thought that was really short-sighted on the companies. You know, why would you come up with a comp policy that's going to drive out your most successful sales reps? Still right. don't understand that. Still never gotten a good answer to that question. Um, but I saw that the agent model uh, was the opposite. You know, we get to eat what we kill um, and that's amazing. You know, so if, you know, your success um, rests solely on you, you can't blame anyone else. Um, and at the same time, if you are massively successful, there's nobody the next year to take away um, your compensation and, and, and you know, penalize you for, for the success that you've, you've, uh, you've built up. Mm-hmm. What was the, uh, what did the channel landscape look like? When you
1: got into it, Josh, <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> it, it was very early. Um, so there were not a lot of suppliers that, that we had the ability to represent. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I always tell a, a funny story that audio conference calling was the only thing that, that kept me alive to fight uh, and, and, you know, be able to, to, bring in enough money to, to live and, uh, and see another day in this business. I I would have had to quit this, this job and go back to a salary position. And, um, I didn't want to do that. I knew that, you know, if you could get over the hump, you know, you could potentially stay here forever. And, and that, that has proved to be true. I I will retire as a, as a, as an independent agent. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, I sold enough audio conference calling where, you know, each person on a conference call would have to pay their own or, you know, pay uh, a, a per minute rate. So if there was 10 people on a call, you know, it would be 10 cents per minute per person. So, you know, that, 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 that call would cost uh what is that a dollar and 40 cents per, per minute um, if there's 10 people on a call. So, um, and we had a, a nice margin built in for that product. And so I had enough audio conference calling customers that, um, kept me alive to to continue to to stay in this business and and keep fighting. So, audio conferencing is no more. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody dials into a one eight hundred bridge anymore, but um, uh, it was a thing back in the day, and and it kept me alive. That's great. So,
1: um, do you guys have a specific type of uh, size of customer that you go after, or um, are you? I mean, do you focus on you know, small to medium or enterprise, or what's that look like for you guys today?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we work with a lot of small to medium-sized customers. And, and I say, you know, on average, about 5,000 employees or less. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason being is most, most of those organizations probably have a smaller IT team where they just don't have the, the time and the resources to... To do what we do and and that's where our value comes in is we really save them the the time to understand what suppliers are out there what solution is a good fit for for to help them with some of their challenges and technical debts that they have Mm -hmm. so um not to say we don't work with enterprise customers we we do have some enterprise customers as well but um, a lot of times you know they have their procurement team they have specific team that you know, does their architecture and everything. So mm-hmm. um, they're less reliant on
3: services that Josh and I have to offer. And typically they're, they're the customers that are, if if there is such a thing as a better experience with, uh, you know, the big carriers, um, where again, picking on them, uh, sometimes that that experience isn't always that great. Um, but the bigger you are, the better you know, chances of that experience being a better experience. So, uh, it, it, it doesn't always resonate as well to when, when you call into a customer and say, Hey, we can improve the experience that you're getting, um, with bigger customers that may not be, um, a pain point for them. So, uh, Mm -hmm. on the small side, I would say a customer that spends less than $5,000 a month on the type of technologies that, that, that we focus on cumulative, right? So if they're if their cumulative technology spend is is less than five thousand dollars, it's probably you know not somebody that we're going to focus on and put a lot of energy into. Um, you know, certainly if, if they need to buy a circuit and want to buy it from us, we'll do that. But um, you know, we're we're not going to uh, try and focus on customers that that you know are are super small. Mm-hmm.
1: So coming into twenty twenty three, obviously there's. Still, a lot of talk about you know the the global recession and stuff like that. So, with your current customer base and you know the uh, typical sort of uh, customer profile that that you guys go after, have you noticed that there is less resources going into their IT teams, um, or or I mean, you know, because that's essentially what a lot of people are talking about is like. You know, they're being forced to do more with less and that whole um, that whole bit. But has that actually played out? Has, are you seeing that yourselves? Yeah, I'm definitely seeing that. And I think
2: the technology department are, are asked to to look at their spend and um, not only, you know, reducing headcount and, and doing more with less, but overall, just on technology spend, they're, they're really eyeballing it with a fine comb now. And mm-hmm. so I have customers coming to me to look at their spend and see where we can help reduce some of that spend. So, you know, that's the beat of what we do, Zach, is, you know, when when times are good, technology has a budget and they're spending and we're able to bring bring solutions and, and help them strategize down the road. But during a downturn too, we we bring a lot of value because we also can help them identify where we can help them reduce costs right And mm-hmm. if they don't have a team to do certain projects or, or manage certain environments, we can bring certain suppliers into the, the fold to help them um, sustain and maintain their environment while
3: they're they're you know downsizing and looking to cut spend. I would say you know one of the the ones that um, I, I continue to see, is Microsoft Teams, where, you know, during the pandemic, Zoom obviously blew up and, and you know, became a verb and all those things, but uh, companies I don't think were necessarily uh, worried about or, or, or thinking about or caring about, you know, potentially uh, doubling up on on different collaboration tools, right, so Slack's out there, Zoom's out there, Teams is out there, WebEx, so there's all these different uh, ways that, that Companies could collaborate uh, with with themselves, you know, internally or externally with their customers. And and this year, we're s- starting to see a lot of customers that are saying, "Hey, um, we don't want to double up Zoom and Teams. So, you know, we're going to make a, a a company decision to uh, standardize on one or the other technology because we want to save money um, and drop one of one of the two. And and mm-hmm. Teams seems like they're doing pretty well, um, you know. Most customers, you know, have some spend with Microsoft already. It makes sense to, you know, look deeper at, at technology. You know, you're not going to displace Microsoft altogether. You you could displace Zoom um, easier than you could probably get rid of all of your Microsoft out of your environment. So um, Teams, I think, is, is doing well as a result of, of this pullback. That's hmm. from my viewpoint, it seems like more people are asking about, Microsoft Teams and doing Intune migrations and, you know, mm-hmm. more SharePoint, OneDrive, you know, more Microsoft-centered pro- projects um, and, and, you know, potentially reducing other collaboration spend. Yeah. yeah. To
2: Josh's point, and, and, you know, similar to to that, I have customers that say, hey, we're paying for Microsoft E5 license. Mm-hmm. We can get Teams voice. We can get security. We can get uh, endpoint protection. Why are we using all these other third-party providers when we're already paying with Microsoft? So there's definitely that consolidate consolidation effort and cost-cutting measures to look at that holistically.
1: So yeah, Microsoft Teams is certainly interesting. Um, before I got to evolve, the the most of what I knew about Microsoft Teams was you can chat with people, you can share some files, you can do videos, but being here, it's it's crazy, like there's so much more to Microsoft teams than that, so like do you still have you know customers that that only know teams for that and like you kind of have to introduce them to the, the voice capabilities or you know consolidating uh their you know pBX for example, and they can run voice through it, right? Is there still a lot of that going on like they don't really know like the capabilities of it?
3: I think I, yes, is the answer. Um, I think for my experience, most people know that teams can become their, their voice platform, but they don't really know how, how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, they think, you know, Oh, Microsoft's just going to be my, my new phone company. It doesn't quite work that way. Um, so there, th- there is a little bit of education in terms of, how do you get teams to, to displace, you know, your old short or, or call manager, um, and, and become your, your phone platform. And, and there's multiple different ways to, to skin that cat. Um, and so I think that's part of the education is, is just helping them walk through the different options and what, what makes the most sense for them and, uh, wh- which companies, you know, might be good partners for them. Um, some of it, too, is, is interrelated to other applications, um, right? And, and so uh, if, if you need your phone platform to interact and, and have um, dependencies on other applications, you know, that's another area where sometimes they could use some outside consultants uh, to help, you know, think through all those, those different scenarios.
1: Mm-hmm. So with something like Teams, uh, lots of suppliers sell Microsoft Teams, so, as a technology advisor, strategist company, how do you like? What's your what's your thought process of landing on a supplier for a you know for your customer?
2: I'll go first. Uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's interesting because when someone says you know they'll, they'll come to us and say hey we want to use Teams for voice. I, I think you know ultimately what what we like to do is get on a call and understand what they're trying to do right and. and what sets of features are must-haves that they need for for whether they're um, for their typical phone system? Uh, every every customer is different; they have different type of routing and different requirements. So, you know, really based on that, I think we you know then we we can decide do they want to do direct routing or do they want to use um, you know go direct with Microsoft or use another UCaaS provider that can come and integrate because if Teams is pretty limited with, with the features that you can do with it. So if a customer has certain requirements that they need and, and are must haves, then there are times where you can't go direct with Teams. So you would have to partner right. with a UCaaS provider that has those features, right? So That's right. Um, every customer's Different. And so, you know, that uh, the initial assessment is really very critical to identifying which partner to put,
3: you know, which suppliers to put in front of them. Yeah. So, so to just expand on what Man's saying, I think just, yeah, just a really deep discovery and asking a lot of questions that the customer may not have even thought should be a consideration when they're thinking through this and just bringing in a lot of um, questions and, and things to think about. Um, That's pretty much, I think, our, you know, where we can provide value to a customer is is really making sure that all the considerations have have been documented. um, And then based on that discovery, that helps lead us to uh, where we think, you know, choosing the right supplier would help them realize those objectives. When you're going through this
1: discovery process with a customer... Do you typically start with like more C levels first, or do you kind of start with the IT leadership and work up from there, or um, what? What have you found to be most successful? It's always
3: great if you've got the contacts at the top, um, mm-hmm. but in my experience, I've I've always been challenged by getting a C level person to you know um, to to take my my input on something also. I think uh, a lot of times the C level folks just aren't involved at that level, and so you know they're going to rely on their their technical staff to to run point. Um, and so really, I think what I try and keep in the back of my mind when I'm presenting to the 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 hands on technical folks, um, I try to give them enough information so that I, I assume that a C level person is going to eventually see the information that I'm giving to them. So. I try to just um, make sure that I'm still talking to the C level person, even if I'm not directly talking to them, but through the the information I'm passing along to my technical contact, I I, I try and keep a, a level person in mind um, with that information. Yeah,
2: I and I mean, for from my experience, I think sometimes it, it does start with the C level folks because, from someone that ran IT operations for over twenty five years, I can tell you. Nobody that runs IT wants to change out their phone system unless they have to, right? <laughs> so usually it's either cost-related or they're on a really legacy system. And a lot of that planning comes from from the top. And as they look down you know, their one, two, three-year plan on going through their technology debt and, and doing upgrades and, and replacements. So to Josh's point, it's always good to start from top to have that conversation and trickle it down to the, the doers, the technology folks that
1: are actually doing the, the replacements. Hmm. Today, there's a lot of talk around security and stuff like that. But when you're, when you're going through these discovery processes with with potential clients, um, are there specific solutions that, you know, customers are asking about more often, or is there, you know, is there a lot of talk about security now? Or I mean, is it mostly security, or is it just like a specific set of solutions that you hear about the most from your customers?
3: I would say it's 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 across the board. I mean, security is definitely something that um, I think every customer is addressing every year. I think there's certain certain um, parts of, of our total portfolio that don't get get addressed every single year. For instance, if 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 you only need one primary data center, um, and you you know you move into one and you sign a long term agreement, um, you know, that's not something that you're going to have to address the, you know, the, the following year, maybe even, you know, for a couple more years after that. Um, security, I think, is is something that, that customers are tweaking, making changes to, adding things to um, every single year. So, so security, I think, is an ongoing evolution for customers, um, you know, collaboration, you um, Again, that, that may be something where, you know, it, it, once you do set it up, um, it might not be something that you have to touch the next year, um, or at least not in a major way. Hopefully you can get a couple of years out of, out of a decision and not have to readdress that mm-hmm. across the board. And, you know, um, it's the meeting customers where they are. Um, it's really, uh, you know, when, when if we're meeting a customer for the very first time, you know, really I, I kind of just start fishing, right? I, I start looking for what what are things that you're working on, what what are projects that are happening right now or that you're getting ready to plan um to happen later this year. Um and, you know, really just trying to ask a lot of open ended questions to get them to to open up to me about, you know, different areas or projects they're working on. And if that fails and that, you know, I'm just striking out all over the place, then I I kind of just go back to well, listen, I I've been throwing out a lot of different things that that, you know, um Asking a lot of questions, looking for an area that that you might need some help with, but you know, I, I haven't found anything. Can you tell me? In just, you know, is there an area that uh, that we could potentially address? Can you throw something my way, um, and and you know, let me take that back and see if there's some value I can bring to you? Um, so, uh, yeah, just really just trying to find something, uh, an area where where they could use some 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 resources. I mean. I like to tell customers, look, there's nothing that I can do for you that you probably couldn't do yourself if you had unlimited time and resources, right? So, right. you know, if you really wanted to do my job, you could, right? It, it's not that I'm I'm so much of an expert that you couldn't do what I do. However, you just don't have the time. And mm-hmm. I would beg that the one area that I think we do ha- have a leg up on on a customer doing everything themselves, sourcing everything themselves is that you can do all the research that you want, right? You can, you know, the internet's obviously great for doing research before you buy something. Um, you can, you know, you can do customer referral cars with a a vendor that you're considering choosing, but nothing in my opinion beats the experience that we have as from the agent side, because when we sell a deal, we're still talking to the customer. We're still talking to the vendor. We're still involved in the project and supporting that customer, that thing that we sold. And so, we get to see the results of, you know, all those pre-sale promises. How many of those proved out to be true? And how, how often did the vendor meet and exceed the expectations that were set pre-sale? And that's something a customer is simply, they just don't have, um, the, the, the volume that we do and the experience with the suppliers and seeing how well they perform post-sale. So hmm. I, I definitely think that's an area that a value that we can bring to a customer again. Some customers really, you know, I've, I've talked to lots of IT guys that just, they love what they do. I I have one guy that I call the circuit hugger because he loves talking to his network vendors. It's he works for a very big company. And so he has one very specific area that he focuses on, which is network and the circuits. And so he doesn't want me to shop for circuits for him because he likes doing that himself. So it's like, okay, well that there's a guy that wants to do what I do. Um, but most IT generalists, um, you know as man said there's just they have so much on their plate there, there's so many different things they are responsible for including managing upwards and and working with their c-level team to help further the company's objectives and where does technology fit into that so do they have time to vet out every single new thing that they need right and or could they use someone like us that that can help shorten um that process that so those are typically the customers where our value resonates to them.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting um, when we talked about how you know some companies are limiting resources or they're more cautious with their IT resources. Um, you know, I think I'm sure that you guys talk about how you you can't grow as a company unless you have you know IT working on things that will propel your company forward. So like, how do you, so how do you have that conversation with them, you know, when they are trying to limit resources, but in the back of your mind, you're like, if you take too much away, you know, you're not going to have the ability to work on these strategic initiatives. I mean, how, how does,
3: how have you found success in having that conversation? I, I would answer it is, is I'm uh, not not the taking. So I don't know that cu- customers are necessarily trying to just eliminate technology and not spend money on it. Um, I would say another way that I try to help customers um, think about technology spend is, it's, it goes back to, you know, the one I like to throw out there is, you know, hey, Mr. Customer, do you guys employ your own janitorial staff to clean your offices at night when 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 you guys go home? No, right? That That's something, you know, janitorial is outsourced. Why? Because it's not a core function of their business. So um, I like the analogy of, hey, Mr. Customer, you know, your time would be better spent working with the leadership of your company. Again, helping them understand how does technology fit into our company's objectives of, of, you know, how we're going to grow and and more successfully serve our customers. Um, You know, And so should I be managing my own infrastructure, right? Should I be doing a hardware refresh every three to five years? Should I employ a staff to make sure that that equipment stays alive and and that the network is, is, is optimized and running well, um, or would I be better spent outsourcing part of our infrastructure to someone that, that does that professionally, a company that, you know, that is what they do. Um, and, and have my time and my staff's time better spent, again, helping our our, our leadership team, um, have having a seat at the table with them to, again, help figure out, you know, what what are things we can do for, with our, te- you know, with technology to help further the company's objectives? So that's my answer uh, to that question, Zach. Man, mm-hmm. what, what, you have a different team. yeah i'd
2: I like to add to that so th- there's definitely a a transition in the role of it right uh mm-hmm. throughout the years um when i first started it was keeping the lights on a- and you hid you know you hid in the secret room nobody knew where where it team was because it was there's no windows and, and <laughs> you, you just made sure everything was working and then as the years progress um it's really evolved, right? The IT team, there's their CIOs, there's VP of IT and directors are actually having a seat at the table, making strategic decisions on the company's roadmap for, for the next two, three years, right? And, and I've sat at those tables where I'm, you know, having conversation with the CEO and, and the CFO on, here's where we want to be in three years, right? With our technology and here's how we can help the business grow so with that I, I think um you know with the evolution of that it's it's an easier conversation for us to have to Josh's point you, you should outsource certain aspects of your operations or eliminate having to hire a staff to manage this infrastructure because that's not helping you in the long term to to get you your your roadmap and the strategy that you've developed. Um, So, you know, it it definitely makes the conversation easier for us to have with, with the C-levels now because of that transition that's gone through with, you know, the IT organization and how important they are to the businesses
1: these days. Mm -hmm. So when you do have the conversation about outsourcing, is there ever any hesitance, um, like especially with, Cloud, you know, moving moving uh, some of the infrastructure to the cloud, is there hesitance from the CISOs, for example, or like the CTOs, about you know moving that sensitive data off prem?
2: It's interesting. Depends on who you're
1: talking to. Like you said, right?
2: If you're when, if you're starting the conversation with with the IT, the technical folks, there's definitely no hesitation because I think. Nowadays, they're comfortable moving infrastructure mm-hmm. to the cloud or or moving to a private cloud that's being managed by somebody else. Because nobody wants to stay up twenty four seven maintaining infrastructure and you know not having enough resources to support that environment. So um, for that group, they you know it's a you know it's a good conversation, and they they embrace the fact that they'll be able to hand it off to somebody else to to work on. I think from a CISO perspective, uh absolutely, and that that's the job, right? It is to make sure security is, is there and their environment's not being compromised because uh the reputation of the, the business is going to be impacted. And if you do the calculations based on the company's revenue, that that
3: could be huge. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. if they're compromised. So yeah, I, I don't think uh, there's many IT leaders that are concerned now that, um, you know, moving infrastructure to a cloud environment means that they're going to be, you know, they're no, they're no longer needed, right? So, um, I, I, I like to think about, uh, you know, back in the day, everybody had an Exchange server, right? And so, every, every few years, you would have to upgrade to the new Microsoft uh, Exchange environment, and that was a big deal. Um, And then at some point, you know, G Suite came along and, you know, 0365 came along and very few organizations host their own, you know, mail servers anymore. Um, And that led to the phone piece. Right. So. I think customers early on were having a hard time understanding that a phone could be in, in the cloud. Your phone platform could be in the cloud versus in your closet down the, down the hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, mail helped, uh, you know, that, that transition. So when, when I would bring up, well, hey, listen, you don't have your own mail server anymore. Why, why do you think you still need a, a PBX down the hall? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think then that led into infrastructure in the cloud. So AWS is not new anymore. Um, right. I, Customers, you know, maybe five years ago or longer, um, they couldn't imagine their infrastructure not being self-supported. But nowadays, that that there's there's less customers now that are are thinking that way. Um, so now it's more how do we how do we secure that cloud? How do we, you know, some of the the same implications for supporting your infrastructure just because it's in a cloud environment are still there. So. You still need IT leaders thinking about uh, the best ways to support their environment, whether they're, you know, um, in a cloud or not. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't think IT leaders are thinking that uh, moving to the cloud is going to put their job in jeopardy.
1: <laughs> so since we're talking about cloud, you know, I'm going to ask about DAS next. So what mm-hmm. has been your experience with um, having the conversation? With customers around desktop as a service, like are they, you know, since you're saying that they're they're not super weary about moving their infrastructure, I mean, what is that conversation like um, when you introduce VDI? Man, you take that one.
2: Sure, I, it, it's it's uh, I think for for VDI is really uh, case by case basis per customer because. You know, I, I I have a customer we're working on right now with with Evolve and, and we're in POC stage. And it's a perfect situation because you know they came to me with a challenge, and their challenge was, you know, their engineering team were using these engineering workstations on premise. Um small, you know, small IT staff, not a lot of folks that are supporting the system. So you know, a couple of challenges they they have is one they have to replace the hardware because they're getting old, and engineering um, workstations are a lot more expensive than regular uh, workstations, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they got more resources, better graphics card to run their AutoCAD, and then the other challenge is the amount of data that they have because these AutoCAD files are huge, and then the the speed of pulling the data to the workstation to work on becomes challenging. And, you know, they're on-premise data center and their equipment's pretty old. So there's latency involved. And, um, so part of the, you know, the solution is, Hey, let's take a look at DAS, right? And put it in Azure or, or somewhere else where, um, you know, you get better technology and then it's all within the same network ecosystem where Um, you know, you're gonna solve the latency issue. And third is you can scale a lot faster, Mm -hmm. right? And and the amount of storage you need can just scale up to, I wouldn't say unlimited, but I mean, you can go up to petabytes of data if if you really wanted to. Um, And lastly is the ability to support these workstations, right? Now you no longer need a staff. Mm -hmm just to walk over somebody's workstation and figure out what's going on with, with their engineering system. Because now when you have in, in, in the cloud, desktop as service, if there's an issue with, with your system, they have templates that you can easily just spin up and, and you're up and running again. So, um, there's, there's the scalability, there's ease of support. And then, um, you know, you saw the latency issue as well so i think it's fantastic for that that use case uh, it's not you know perfect or great for every every single customer right but there's there's definitely use cases out there where the daz is a great option for companies
1: yeah i'm curious um you know selfishly i'm i'm curious to know why it's not more um why? Why more advisors aren't talking about it? Um, because just like you said, like there are specific use cases, but I think you know if we if we talk about it's not it's not just for uh, remote workers or it's not just for hybrid. You know, it, there are use cases for on-prem employees as well. But I'm just curious to know why more advisors don't talk about it. Um, you know. I, to me, obviously, you know, I work for Evolve IP, so it's the best thing ever. But um, practically speaking, I think it makes a ton of sense for a lot of organizations. So, um, I mean, what do you what do you guys think? Why do you why would it not be as popular as it could be? Right, you know, today.
3: I mean, <laughs> one of the things that I've always been challenged with is, you know, for, for agents that have been around as long as I have, um, I think some of the customers that have known us for a really long time just don't know all of it. So all of the, the the technology solutions that we have in the portfolio. So I, I know that I haven't always done a great job at, at keeping my customers educated on, you know, the addressable space, right? The addressable technology space where we could uh, bring, you know, potentially a solution. So it might be just a situation where customers aren't, aren't, You know, bringing those opportunities to their advisors, um, because they didn't know that that was a product that they could address. But beyond that, I, you know, I've only done a couple of VDI deals and, and, um, it, it really was something, you know, where, where it was, it was the customer bringing it to me. Um, I I think, you know, I haven't been doing a good enough job at adding that into, uh, some of the, 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 questions when I'm looking for opportunities, you know, is VDI something that you've considered in your environment? And, you know, do you know much about it? You know, do you think it would benefit you? Uh, but, you know, truthfully, I, I just don't have a lot of IT leaders that are considering VDI. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, most of my, you know, man's use case was a great one. Those machines are expensive um, and, you know, that small IT staff and so forth. But um, to me, when, when there's so many you know, most people's applications are are cloud-based now. You know, you don't need a, a, a heavy machine. Um, it, it's not to say that that doesn't still bring up a good use case for DAS. Uh, I think there's a lot of great um, upsides to having a DAS environment. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know that a, a lot of my customers are thinking about that as a replacement for just an inexpensive laptop. Hmm. I know we're
1: running up on about an hour, but uh, I had a question about just... Are there any specific technologies or solutions that, um, you guys are most excited about right now?
2: I, well, I, I, I think we, the one that we, we probably all hear about now is AI. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's very interesting. I, I think, you know, a lot of suppliers, I see them, um, including or, or somehow integrating or trying to integrate AI into their products. So, um, I'm excited. I, I think you know, it, it definitely is going to be able to help help us leapfrog from here to here from a technology perspective and, and give the capabilities, you know, really enhance the capability of our customers and what they can do, right, with, with, with their solutions. Um, you know, it, it's, I think we're a long way, but there's definitely, um, it's very promising, you know, if you just look at ChatGTP, what it was able to do and, and you know, somebody like us can probably go in there and, and, and figure out how to, you know, do a do a code for some some automation, and, and whereas we wouldn't be able to do without that. So, I think it's amazing, and, and I'm looking forward to see you know how our suppliers are able to integrate AI
3: into their products.
1: Mm-hmm. What about you, Josh?
3: <sighs> yeah, I it. It's hard for me to even wrap my brain around AI. Um, and it, it's just, it, it opens up su- such a, you know, vast uh, space. So I'm um, trying to even think about all the possibilities that come from AI is, is really too much for, for me at times um, to even try and comprehend. I think for me personally, I, I kind of grew up in, in my career selling network and, and voice. And so um, in, in data center, Um, but never infrastructure as a service, right? So never selling, you know, hey, instead of just selling you the space, power, and cooling for your infrastructure, I want you to consider putting your infrastructure into a a managed private cloud or a hybrid cloud um, or a public cloud and and supporting it over there. So for me, um, you know, man's experience was was. You know supporting infrastructure mine was selling the the warehouse that you put your infrastructure in but never really getting involved in talking about all the different compute resources so that for me is has been exciting just uh to be able to talk about you know somebody's compute storage and security environment for the infrastructure mm-hmm. i personally uh those are the conversations that are really fun for me and uh sometimes they get Go way over my head, and, and I'm getting lost uh, when, when they're getting into the specifics of the, the computer environment. But um, still fun for me to, to, to be part of those conversations. So that's, what, that's what's fun for me.
1: Excellent. All right. And lastly, um, I know you said, man, you were working on uh, uh, an opportunity with us. But what's you know um, what's it been like working with Evolve IP?
2: It's great. Um, I, you know, I work with Ryan, but I think the whole channel team is amazing. I met met them out at at channel partners and, you know, that's, that's what I, that's why I love what I do now is is one, I could help my customers, right. And and agnostically where we're really sitting on their side of the table and making sure we're doing what's right for them. Um, And then, you know, in addition to that, it's, what's been amazing with my journey the last five years is meeting the channel partners, the, the team that we work with, with all suppliers. And, you know, a lot of them I became friends with just, you know, we build a long-term relationship and it's really a close-knit ecosystem. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, for us to just have fun doing it, it it's amazing. I, I think the team over at Evolve has been very supportive the POC has been go- going great. Um, I've been on on all the calls, and your you know the, the team there is just very responsive. I see the emails responding right away, and then um, they're they're providing exactly the support that my customer needs. So so far, it's been an amazing um, collaboration between us.
1: It's great. I love to hear it. All right. Well, what I like to end with is um, if you could. Go back to your, you know, when you first got into the channel, um, first got into the technology space, um, what advice would you give to yourself, uh, with all the knowledge that you have now? Go ahead, Josh. Huh.
3: I guess, uh, you know, just, just stay current on, on the technology, uh, landscape. And, and honestly that it, it's, it's, uh, Kind of easy to do if, if, if you develop a good relationship with, with good customers that are smart and, and they trust you and you build good rapport. Um, you know, I have, you know, five to 10 customers that when, when I'm curious about, uh, a a new technology, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of stuff about and I'm curious to get, you know, the customer's perspective on, you know, is this something that's on their radar and what are they thinking about? Um, I love to be able to ha- have um, these customers that that will give me that time and just yeah Josh I'll, I'll meet you for lunch and let you know we can I'll let you pick my brain on that subject or what have you so um you know but staying current on on the trends and the shifts in in technology and and what customers are doing I'd say that's probably just you know of paramount importance because um, you know when customers bring, something that they're hearing about to you um and and if if you're not up to speed and you miss that opportunity um then you know they're they're less likely to come back to you um you know for help with with something that they're thinking about if you know coming to you is, isn't beneficial to them because you're not up to speed on 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 what's happening out there love it for for me i mean
2: say you know in addition with josh uh, talked about is obviously you know staying up with technology because it, it's changing so so rapidly. And um, you know, one other thing I'd like to add to that, Zach, is I don't have, you know, as long as a ten years Josh in the channel. I, I've been in for five years, but if I had to go back to tell myself, give myself advice, it would be spend more time with, with people that has been in the street that's been in industry for a long time and absorb the information and ask as many questions as you can to learn um, how they became successful because every one, single one of them have their own ways, right? And and they, they don't all do it the same way. And one thing I did learn throughout my journey is just be yourself. It's don't try to be someone you're not. Uh, And I think, I think I, to be honest, I tried to be that person when I first started and you know, Hey, I want to be this, this type of sales person. And it just didn't work well for me. So, um, you know, I sat down and said, Hey, you know what? I'm just gonna be my, my, be myself. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think that just works out better in the long run.
1: That's great. All right. Well, thank you both so much. Um, how can, uh, people find you, reach out to you? Um, you on LinkedIn, I take it. I mean, what, how can
3: people reach out to you? LinkedIn, architect group.com. Um yeah, we're not hard to find.
1: There you go. Anything uh, fun coming up uh, with the business? Any events you're heading to or anything like that?
3: Uh, gosh, we just wrapped up Vegas. That was really, I thought, beneficial. Very. I think there's some stuff later in the year. Hopefully, we'll, we'll do well enough to do President's Clubs, which are really fun and nice reward for the work we put in. So, um, there you go. yeah, there's always good stuff.
1: Excellent. All right, gentlemen. Thank you both so much. Um, it's been fun. Thanks so much for coming on.
2: Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it.
1: Awesome.
0: That's great. Yeah, thanks, Thank Zach. Thank you. That's a wrap on this episode of the Channel Champions podcast. You can find this and all our episodes on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite streaming platforms. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, guests, or topics, please reach out to us. We appreciate you coming along with us on this journey and hope to be back for the next episode. Until then, stay tuned. Stay connected and stay inspired.